Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. So maybe you're like me and you've always wondered, like maybe there's a moment, let me ask you this question. Have you ever realized that you believe something fully? Like you believe something and only after a little bit of investigating you realized you were wrong. Like, like when I was at school, there was a song by Rihanna, Umbrella. You guys know that song, right? I thought the lyrics were, under my arm forever, ever, ever. And I used to jam out, sing the song, and then my friends would come to me like, bro, you're singing it wrong. Because I always thought, why would he call it Umbrella and then under your arm forever? It's not under your arm forever, it's under my umbrella. So, so, I mean, we've all had these moments. You're like, no, this is definitely how it works. No, that's not no, this. And then someone shows you the fact, and you're like, yeah, but, you know, that's just Google. What do they know? Like, oh, it's Wikipedia. It doesn't count. <laughs> but we have all come to a place in our lives where we've believed something so much, and then when the facts are in front of us, when the truth is in front of us, we go, oh, I maybe missed it. Now tonight, we're kicking off this brand new series, All Things New, because I believe God wants to show us something new. God wants to come and show us something new when it comes to Him, when it comes to the truth, when it comes to the gospel. And uh, yeah, the best way to kind of explain this is that usually the gospel is shared and broken up into two chapters. Two chapters, right? And, and I'm not saying chapters in a book in the Bible, all right? That's what I'm saying, but two kind of stories that kind of run. But there's actually more to the gospel than just these two chapters. These two chapters are usually the chapter of sin and salvation, right? So maybe you grew up in a church like this, I did. And um, growing up in a church like this, they would say chapter one is that you need to know that you're a sinner because of Adam. I'm like, why? Because of him. He made a mistake. (laughs) Holmes me. (laughs) unfair but you're a sinner you know sinner because of Adam and now you're you're filthy and you must be fixed chapter one we're sinners and people are like yo that sounds a bit harsh people here for the first time like I didn't come to get judged Brent (laughs) don't worry you won't be judged in this room and then chapter two would be this and that's why Jesus died and was resurrected so that you could now live without sin and be saved the end Okay. <laughs> Do you know that, mil- like, not millennials, but the, the, our generation, okay, well, not our generation, your generation, <laughs> okay, actually has this question. They say, why do I need to know God if it's only for one day when I die? What's the purpose of knowing God now? There's no need. That's actually one of the biggest questions your generation has. And, and the reason is this, I believe that the gospel has maybe been shared only in part and not in fullness, because we think that that's the gospel, is that we're bad, and that God needs to make us good, and then we're good, and then we wait, right? We wait, we wait till Jesus comes, we, we wait, we sit and make sums. Oh, if you take this scripture and divide it by two, and you do this, he's coming Wednesday at two o'clock. We all need to get circumcised before that, I'm joking, no, no, no. But there's, there's always these things, these, these stories. Man, I've heard stories of guys predicting the future when Jesus is coming. And what it leaves us to do, this kind of gospel, it leaves us to feel not worthy sometimes, right? And it leaves us to sit and wonder. Wonder when God's gonna show up and sort people out. 
And the bad thing about this kind of gospel, it is passive. It is extremely passive. And I believe God didn't save us to live passive lives, but to live full lives. To live lives where we can actually live out our passions, live out the things around us. And so in this story, yes, these two chapters are a part of the story, but there's actually four chapters to the story that go before and behind that. And so this, oft- this afternoon, this evening, it's afternoon technically, the sun's still out. But this evening, I want to tell you a story. So you guys ready for a story? So sit back, relax, get some popcorn. Jack, isn't that popcorn? And listen to the story of the four-chapter gospel. The picture of the four-chapter gospel. The chapter one is this. Not sin or fall, but creation. Creation. So in Genesis 1, there's this picture of creation where where according to Genesis, there is an all-powerful being who creates the entire universe. God creates the word. He says, God says, let there be. And there was. Huh? Pretty good. Imagine you could do that. Let there be McDonald's. It doesn't work like that. But there's a story, right? We, we see the first three days of creation right here. We see, we see the first day, God making you know, dark and light, darkness and light. And then we see him moving into a space where he creates the waters above and the, and the ground below and all the waters in between and all the lakagutas. And then we see him make our oh, day three, where water and ground separating those things. This picture of God creating the world, creating good things. And what does he say every time after he creates something? It is? Oh, does he? Yes, he does. He doesn't say it is bad, it is sinful and I must save it. No, he says it is. And then day four, just kind of a parallel to that, just check this out, is that as he created day and night and the one, then day four, he kind of creates the sun, moon and stars. And as he created the waters above and below, he starts creating um, fish and birds that kind of space, work in that space. And as he created the ground, he starts, you know, creating animals that crawl on the ground. And the little bonus to that, he creates man as well out of ground, right? He takes the earth and creates man, this picture of man. Now, why is this important? Every time he makes something, he says it is good. But the moment he makes man, what does he say? It's very good. It's very good. You look at the person next to you and say, very good. Huh? See, Plato's philosophy says this. It, de- it declares that all creatures are bad. Plato says this. He says that all creatures are bad and that we need to strive to live and to get rid of every material created seeing or thing that is bad. And then one day, when, our, when we die, our souls will live in a trans, transcended spiritual world called heaven. You see, the problem with that is that's how most religions believe, is that we are bad and then we need to do something to be good. We need to praise this thing. We need to give up all our desires and all these things so that we could be good. And the moment that we're good, then we can maybe get to heaven. But this is not where the gospel of God, of Jesus, starts. It doesn't start with your bad. It says, no, no, my friend, you are good. You are very good. 
There's a truth behind our creation is that we are good. This is not the picture portrayed in, in Genesis. Genesis says that everything is good, that, that this chapter, in this first chapter of the Bible, the story, it says that the world is good, that everything is made for His glory, to glorify and honor His authority to be made good. And that sounds great, right? So, so there we have it. Everything's great. We're good to go. Not quite. There's a second chapter to the story. One that you've maybe heard before. And this one's called the fall or sin. You see, chapter one is this picture where God is appointing humanity over creation. He's appointing humanity over creation, saying that you can come now and live in the space of creation. And then chapter two is the story where he actually gives us, he empowers us, he empowers humanity, gives us something to do. He trains us. And then we maybe choose a different path. See, there's two things that happen in the story. Number one is that firstly, God trains us. There's a training that happens. See, God um, uh, speaks with, with Adam and he, and he says, listen, I want to instruct you. I want to show you how to rule. How to rule and reign in this world. How to actually rule this world. How to live as one of my sons. And God instructs Adam to name things. Could you imagine Adam just naming things? You know, walking around, what's that? Well, it's got a long neck. I hope it doesn't have like, you know, throat sore. That would suck for a while because giraffe's throat sore must be rough. But let's call it a giraffe. Ah, it's a good name. What do you guys think? Giraffe? What is a female giraffe? Giraffina? No, no, no. That sounds weird. I don't know. We should create a term that female, male, we can just, yeah, it makes sense. You know, what's that? That's a monkey. And all those monkeys are a whole troop or tribe. Or what are they called? An army or something of monkeys. I don't know, a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> but you can imagine Adam has been given this task to name the things around him. Why is it important for him to name things? Well, can I just say when God created the world, he named it, right? He said he created day or he created light and darkness and he called the light day and the night or the darkness night. See, it's good to know the names, right? And so why does he do this? Because the moment you name something, just, I just want to put it out there, the reason why he wants to show him how to rule is because he wants to show Adam, this is how you rule over things. First thing, you must have the, ident the moment to firstly identify the thing. So you've got to identify it, giraffe. Wrong long neck, giraffe. Okay, good. And then, he, then you have to do that because that determines how, um, how it uh, belongs and how it also, or what it does. So the moment you identify it, that determines also where it belongs and, and what it does. And then also, if you know what it does, where it belongs and where it comes from and what it is, you can order it, right? It's like food, right? You think, you look at food and you go, what's that? It's food, all right? Where does it belong? In my belly. Makes sense, right? And why, does it, why is it important? Because it makes me happy. I, I like food. And then what do you do with it? You order it to get in your belly. Very simple. I have control, or not control, but I can rule over those things. God created us to rule because there's a saying, and I don't like to use it, but it's quite good. It says this, you, if you can name it, you can tame it. 
How can you control something? How can you, how can you take hold of something that you don't understand? You first need to understand it. And this, the picture that God actually says, he, he, he does this moment where he gives us a thing to do, to start ruling. So God is trying to teach us how to rule over things in this world. Second thing he does is that God empowers us. He empowers us. For the first time in the story, God is declaring that something is not good. So he says, it is good, it is good. Oh, he makes Adam, he's like, very good. Right, guys? Okay, so, so the guys have no self-esteem, but it's good. We're going to get there. But then he looks at Adam living his life, naming things. And have you ever seen guys when they live alone? They become weird. Right? He was probably playing Xbox. He's like, not no. <laughs> and I think God looks at this and he's like, not good. Not good at all. He needs someone to help him. He keeps throwing the, you know, the laundry basket mess with his clothes. And we need someone to help him in life, to sort him out. And then he see, sends Eve, all right? Why is this picture important? Well, for two things. Is that God empowers Adam with an helper, Eve. You see, we shouldn't rule alone. That is why Eve rocks up, is because we're made to rule together with someone else. The moment people rule alone, they become weird. Dictatorship, hello, <laughs> right? It becomes weird. But when you, when you rule together, something starts moving forward. And another reason is, is God empowers us with his perspective. You see, he says to them, guys, there's this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've got another tree, the tree of life. Eat from the tree of life. Eat from everything in the garden. But don't eat from the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because I know what is good for you. Trust me. And then what happens? Oh, start listening to Eve. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So this comes to the space of the fall, the picture of the fall. So humanity was created good and everything was good and there's a good space. And then there's a moment, this guy that rocks up, the snake. First of all, I would have listened to that snake if it was that big. Like, eat this, I'll be like, sure, whatever you say, man. <laughs> Please don't eat me, <laughs> right? But there's a moment the snake rocks up, the devil, right? And he's starting, starting to to show and trying to show that you know, God's perspective is not the same or it's not good enough or maybe other perspective is better. Maybe other understanding is better. In Genesis 3, it says this, you will certainly not die, the serpent sent to the woman. For God knows um, when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Who of you guys have ever been tricked into a scheme? Anyone? Yeah, I get those SMSs daily. I don't know about you. So there's unclaimed money in your family. Please send this to nelson at gmail.com. Then I email them back. I'm like, no ways. How much? And then I continue the story. I'm like, dude, can't you just send some? Then I can pay you the money later. Then, then they're not very keen. They usually stop talking to me. Um, but... But here's the thing, is that sometimes we get caught out. We're human, right? In this moment, they decided to, to rule on their own perspective rather than God's perspective on their lives. And I know you're sitting here thinking, yes, Adam and Eve. Shocking, huh? Adam and Eve. Couldn't you guys just have been better? Let me ask you this question. Do you think you wouldn't have done the same thing? 
I think you would have. I think you have before. Hasn't there been a moment in your life where God says, don't do that? And you're like, okay. And you do it. Anyone? I think all of us. If you didn't raise your hand, you're doing it right now. <laughs> God's like, raise your hand. You're like, no. <laughs> all right? See, the fact is, is that evil started entering the space in the world. When, when we decided to do our own thing, Rather than the thing that God is calling us to, the thing that brings life. To understand knowledge and good of evil, that's nice. But to live in the fullness of life where he says, come and eat from the tree of life. There is a better reward for us. A better understanding, a better life. But we chose to do our own, make our own decisions. Man, we see it in history. There was a man, a little guy from Germany, that decided to kill Jews. (laughs) He went his own way. He chose his own way. We see it every day in our news. Corruption. People choosing to fill their pockets, not choosing a way to love people, to serve people as God wants us to live. I mean, one of the greatest, worst strategies, worst tragedies, sorry, in our history is apartheid where people chose their own direction and not the direction that God wants for this world. You see, the moment that we start choosing the things that we try and find that we think is good, that we define is good, most of the times it's not what God actually defines as good. However, there is hope in the story, amen? There is hope in the story. There's this moment that this all happens and they eat the fruit and then Jesus is like, hey, what you, God's like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, hiding with leaves. Right? Trying to hide from God behind a leaf. And this next moment, there's actually this story in, in Genesis 3 where God is speaking and he says this, and I will, em- uh, and I will put enmity um, between you and women, and between you and your offspring and their heirs. And here's this thing, he says, and this man, this guy, will, he will crush your, um, your head, and he will strike his heel. And you he will strike his heel. And this is the story that's happening. So there's a story you can quickly show, this picture of, of, of God talking about someone that is coming, a person that is coming, a savior. And in this moment, he will look towards the big snake, He will look towards the enemy. He will look to this person that has deceived you and hurt you your entire life, that has showed you the wrong space, the bad understanding of life instead of the good. And what he will do is he will crush the serpent's head. And the moment that he crushes the enemy's head, destroying him, that enemy will strike his heel and he will die as well. Does it sound like a cool warrior movie? Right? He's saying this picture is that a man born of a virgin would become a wounded victor who would defeat the snake once and for all. And that brings us to the third chapter, redemption. Redemption. There is a moment of redemption in the Bible and it starts with the story of Jesus. Just like, you know, in Genesis it explains that there there will be a man born of a virgin, there will be a wounded victor, And he will come to destroy the snake once and for all. Jesus, being born of the Virgin Mary, rocks up. He finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, confronted with a choice. 
A moment that he's in this, in this garden and he's talking to God. Do you know that God, Jesus was in the garden before he got crucified and he's talking to God. And he says to God, God, let this cup pass from me. What does that mean? He says, God, this thing I'm about to do, this fight I'm about to fight, this moment that I'm going to become this wounded warrior, I ask you to please take it away. You see, even Jesus was for a moment, he's like, it's maybe I should try my will. But then what does he say right after that sentence? He says, God, if you're, if you're like, please let this cup pass from me. But then he says, oh, wait, but if it's your will, let it be done. If it's yours. Not my will, but your will. Whew. And this warrior takes a stand that Adam and Eve could never have taken. They choose God's way. And in this moment of choosing God's way, we see this warrior, right? As he gives up his life, he dies. The story of life happens because he destroys the enemy for, the, for, the, for all time. And in this moment, he gives his life in the picture. See, God's view of what is good would have, would have not been, well, well Jesus' view, I believe, of himself would have not been good to die, right? But God's view was good for him to pass away, to die, and to be resurrected again because he knew that is the way that we're going to beat the enemy. So for example, this is the story of the tree of life, right? There's good and evil, we have an understanding, but now he says, but rather eat from the tree of life. Why? Because Jesus is the tree of life. John 12 verse 24, it says this, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. What does this mean? For a, for a plant, if you didn't know, if a seed, if you plant it and stuff, it actually dies and then it starts growing, right? There's life in it. In the same way, in John, in, a little bit later in John, John 19, it says Jesus was died and buried in a garden. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and the garden, it was in the, in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had never been or ever been laid before. See, in this moment, we see the story of Jesus. Just as that seed is killed, just as Jesus is killed, we think there's no more hope. But for the first time, the tree of life can start living, can start springing to life. And then Jesus rose. And do you know what's crazy? In this moment that Jesus rose, he was actually mistaken for a gardener. And, and this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? And uh, who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was a gardener. Sir, if you carry him away, this is moment. And why is this important? It's because, quickly think about it, the Bible starts in a garden. Everyone say garden. And then it starts growing into a space. And then what happens again? This moment, this new life, this new Adam that is God speaks about, that John speak, uh, Paul speaks about later on, is that we have this first Adam and then the second Adam. And this new Adam brings new life. There's a new Adam, a new gardener in the room, the one that will make, his, make you live in authority and rule forever. Paul says it. He puts it this way. He says, for by one man's trespasses, Adam, right, he brought death into this world. Death reigned through one man. Makes sense, right? 
Chapter one, very good. Chapter two, brought death into this world, not that good, right? Then what does it say? Then by another man, by this next man, how much more will those receive God's abundance and provision of grace with the gift of righteousness reigning life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So who is Jesus? Jesus came to restore the fullness of life. He came to plant the new tree of life that we can experience, that we can live in, that we can be in. It's no longer about what's right or wrong. No, it's about living in the tree of life, living with Jesus, living with Him, because He's the one that brings life. If you put our faith or our trust in God's generous love, we are a new creation that reigns in this life. 2 Corinthians 17 says, Therefore anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. For the old has passed and the new has come. There's a new understanding. Now, now why is this important? Why is this build up important? Why is it good to understand that we created good, that there is something that separated us, but now God has restored us? Why? Because there is more to life than just trying to be saved for heaven. There's more to life. Why are you saved today? So you got a ticket into heaven? I want to say, my friend, you only understand half of the fullness that God has for you. God has so much more for you, so much more purpose for you in this world. Let me explain why. Is that the Bible starts in a garden, but ends in a city. From Eden to Babylon, from Gethsemane to the New Jerusalem, there is a moment that God is cultivating a garden that creates city. Do you know the word cultivating? That's the word we, 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 we cultivated, I guess, and created the word culture. Culture is cultivating things. We see cities like the city um, that, has been, that has been made from the, the, the um, garden, that we see spaces being cultivated, made new into places where a city reigns. And here's the thing, there's this picture in Revelation right at the end of the Bible, Revelation 21. I know when people start preaching out of Revelation, people start stressing. They're like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> oh, oh. Moment in Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5. It says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first time, or for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared by a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Let me just quickly stop there before we continue. Can I tell you something about this? Is that this picture of Jerusalem descending from heaven. Man, I've heard some weird stories. Have you guys? Is that there's going to be a literal city that's going to like float out of the sky. And there's, there's like this moment that is actually explained that it's, it's made into a perfect cube, the city, right? And then they're going to like beam you into the cube and then beam you out and beam, literally someone told me the story. This is not true, okay? It's just putting it out there. But there's so many interpretations of Revelation because I don't think we understand the depth of it. And there's, there's so many good things to actually go and find the reasons behind this. Remember, these are visions and things that God, God was showing to John. And in this space, he's saying that, there will be a new city, a new Jerusalem. We look at the people around you. This is the new Jerusalem. God is making things new in us. He's busy already doing it. Immediately, we are united with God because 
When we meet Jesus, we are united. There's no more separation between us and God. Jerusalem is Jeru Shalom, which means peace and wholeness. Wholeness being made in this world. Why is this important? It's not a beam me up Scotty moment, right? What is the picture of the cube symbol? What does it symbolize? There's only somewhere else in the Old Testament where this picture of the cube was, and that was in the, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, that was representing God's presence. The Holy Spirit that came down into your life. Who is that? It's God. It's His presence. And so what do we do? We now live with that presence on earth. God is busy making this world new through our lives, through the things that we do, that we engage in the space around us. Why is this important? Well, from verse three, it says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now amongst, hello, and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. Him who is on the throne said, I am making all things new. This is the full chapter of the gospel, the picture. That we, we were created good, not bad. Why is that important? Because the world out here is not bad. God has made them good. But maybe they have chosen their own way, like you have, like I have, right? And it's until the moment that we know that we are restored in Jesus, that he came to fill us, that he didn't just save us for one day sitting in heaven, but he saved us for this world today, to start living life, restoring the world around us, to start loving people that are hurt, to start caring for people that are in pain, to start loving our friends and, oh, our enemies. Dun, dun, dun. Why? Because of what Christ has done in us. So where are you now in the story? Well, you're in chapter four. You're busy restoring things in your life, which is good, but also even more restoring the world around us. See, this quote, I think, just, just wraps it up so good. And we're gonna end off is that church is not about getting people to heaven, but it's about getting heaven to people. Church, guys, salvation, this whole story of the gospel is not about getting to heaven, but it says, Jesus even says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in? Come heaven. I'm bringing heaven to earth. I'm bringing heaven to people. When you engage with people every single day, you have an opportunity to bring heaven into their lives, to show them God's love, to show them God's goodness, His grace, His peace, His goodness, everything He is, you get to show to this world. Doesn't that sound like a good gospel? You see, I asked earlier, I explained earlier that your generation, not my generation, has that thing. What does this mean for me right now? I mean, isn't it all about heaven? Friends, if we understand this, this means everything for right now. This transforms how we live life, how we do life. Because if we understand this, man, your life will never be empty. It will be so full of what God's doing. Someone's at the door. <laughs> right? And this is the beautiful thing of it. That Christ came to make all things new. To make new things in this space. 
He starts by making us new, which we'll talk about next week. You know that we don't just have faith for a city, but do you have faith for yourself? How can you have faith for something if you don't have faith for yourself first? Week after that, we're going to talk about being, having faith for our neighbor, the person around us, and faith for being, making all things new. So I want to ask you just two very simple questions, just real quick, and we're going to end off our time together. Or not our time, but then Tumi's going to make the stuff happen. The first thing is this. Maybe your entire life, you've been hearing this gospel, that I'm shocking and I need to get saved. I'm shocking, I need to get saved. I want to tell you, it's not the full picture. God created you good. You've maybe chosen your own way. But he says, I can restore you and I can bring you to a life that is full. The tree of life. And I want to ask you to be bold. If that's you and you, you've never accepted this and you've never said that, Christ, I need to be restored by you. I don't want to make it an emotional moment because it's not. It's an understanding moment. It's this moment that you say, God, I believe what the Holy Spirit is showing me is the truth. Just like I believed in an umbrella under my arm forever. <laughs> now for the first time, you're like, whoa, it makes sense. Don't you want to be bold enough to put up your hand because we just want to pray with you. Anyone that feels tonight, I understand the gospel. It's cool. There's a guy at the back. Ask one of our leaders just to go stand with him. There's a guy in front as well. There we go. Thanks, Emil. Thanks, Chad. Anyone else? That's good. They're going to take a moment to, to pray with you. But um, for some of us, yo, this is a good one, is... Maybe your life, you understand. Well, I understand the gospel. God has made me new now. But maybe you haven't taken the step to actually bring heaven to the world, to the people around you. And tonight you realize, well, there's more to life than just knowing God. But there's also something of living out my life out of this knowledge of God, out of this relationship. So I want you to be bold again and stand up. If you say tonight, I'm not going to just know about God but I'm going to live my life fully to actually bring heaven to people around me, not just try and get into heaven and be a good Christian, but actually today I'm going to start bringing heaven to this world around me. Would you be bold enough to stand up if you say, that's me? I choose that tonight. Cool. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. So for everyone standing, can we just stretch out our hands um, to them? If you still want to stand, you're more than welcome. And we're going to pray that God would just, the Holy Spirit would just come and show them more of who He is so that they can live out their lives fully in the world around them. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so excited for tonight. We're really excited for what you're doing. Why? Because understanding this new thing, understanding your truth, understanding who you are, Father, we can now live life fully. We can live life fully with you. And we pray that from now on, we won't just try and get into heaven because that's not the goal. The goal is to know you and to bring heaven to the world around us, to bring people, people closer to you, Father God, to show them who you are, to show them your love. And for the, the two guys that just raised their hands saying that tonight for the first time they understand the gospel, I pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would come and reveal this truth to them, the truth that you have set them free to live free and to live fully. And for all of us to know that we can live fully in you, that we are called 
called to transform the city. We are called to transform our families and our friends through one thing and one thing only, bringing your love into the room, bringing who you are into that space, that the church isn't built for a place just to have holiness here, but to actually take it out into our city. We thank you so much for that, Lord Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.